Well, this is the last of the year. How many knows what happens when you come to the end of the year? You begin to reminisce over what you didn't do. <laughs> what you didn't get done. What you didn't get accomplished. Or you might even reminisce on what you did get accomplished. Thank God, I believe we're, we're seeing things happen and uh, God is doing some things. And, uh, but as we enter into this year, and as we end this year, <laughs> and enter into the year, we, we need to just, number one, we need to realize God doesn't change. He's the Lord God and He changes not. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, the God is not going to change. We, we, we think that God changes. No. We enter into a new year and we're changing. God is always the same. He never changes. He's always the same holy God. He's always the same righteous God. He's always the same faithful God. He's always a truthful God. I mean, He's always Him. And what He says He is in the Word, He's always that. And He never changes. So we enter into a new year, we leave the old year, we enter into the new year, and we've got to say, Lord, I want you to change me. There's got to be a change in us. Read over in first, second, first Samuel 16, verse 1. There's a scripture there, and I, I just gonna, I'm going to share some things with you today about letting go of dead things. Letting go of dead things. Somebody said, well, I don't have no dead things. Well, we're going to see in just a minute. <laughs> But the Lord said to Samuel in verse uh, 1 of chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now, we've got to go back just a little ways to the point where Saul became king. Remember the children of Israel, they were being governed by God's law that he had established. A spiritual law, a spiritual um, organization in what he did. And he was ruler, and he was supreme, and he had prophets, and he had judges, and he had all of these things happening. But what happened was, the children of Israel come to the place that they were dissatisfied. And they said, we want to be like other people. Now, you know, the same attitudes in the world today. Churches, Christians, sometimes we think, well, what we've got to do is be what they are in order to let God be what He is. No, God's going to be what He is regardless, but we have to come under subjection to Him and be what He's called us to be. And we'll never do it. Now, I know that methods change. I know methods change as far as getting the gospel out. Uh, I believe if Paul the Apostle was here, he'd ride in jet planes, you know, to go to the places he needed to go. Somebody said, well, they didn't have jet planes back then. No, they didn't have it back then. But he used the transportation that was provided at that time. And I, and I believe that anybody would. But change has come. But the past is over with. God's, the past is over. The children of Israel decided, they decided, they wanted a king. And they told Samuel, the prophet, we want a king like other nations have. We want to be like other nations. Now, we've seen that happening in our own world today. We, we started out back in World War I. And even before that, they were thinking about things of making alliances and making it one big uh, government, you know. But the, the League of Nations that never really got off the ground good. But the League of Nations under Woodrow Wilson was trying to be established. And so that we'd all come under one rule and one, one reign. Um, uh, finally, the United Nations was formed. And it's, it, to me, it's, it's not really been, it, it's been a failure. Uh, because people still doing what they want to do regardless of UN sanctions and all of these things that are up on them. They still do what they want to do. But uh, the, So that's not really the answer. It, 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 until we get him, and I think Paul has said it so ably in the Sunday school, put him first, then we come under subjection to him. Let God be God and let us be people. 
<laughs> let God do the godly things and the God things and let us do the people things. And as we do the people things, God will bless the people things and we'll see God move and God will do the things that he wants to do. But they decided they wanted a king. So Samuel, at first he, re- he kind of balked on it, but then they kept pressing him and pressing him and pressing him. And Samuel, you know, the prophet, they, they, they respected the prophet's position. And so Samuel went out and looked for a man to be the king, and he saw Saul, who was very tall, very masculine, very physically able to do the job. He stood a, a lot, I don't know how, how much taller he was above him, but he was a head taller above everybody else, or maybe two heads above him. He was a, he was, he was a giant of a man. And Saul said, this is going to be the good king. Now, Saul anointed him to be king. And the anointing came up on Saul. And when the anointing came up on Saul, he became a different person. The anointing of God made him a different person. But Saul, also, there were some things in his own heart that was filled with pride. I think it's interesting to note when David came to the uh, uh, battlefield where they were facing Goliath, Remember, Goliath was about nine feet tall. And they're, they're, the, the theologists and those people that studied into this say that Goliath, when he was wanting a man to come out and face him, he wasn't wanting just any Israelite to come out. He wanted, he wanted King Saul to come out. Because Saul was a tall man and a big man, and he didn't want to be belittled by a smaller man to come out and try to battle him. He wanted the man. He wanted Saul to come out. Well, David had to come on the scene. Y'all know the story. David, he came over there, and the boy, his brothers were hiding behind the rocks. And he said, what you hiding from? He said, look out there. He's a nine-foot tall man. Nobody can beat him, you know. And uh, David said, I will. They said, why don't you go home where you belong? <laughs> he said, no. Well, Saul heard about it. He said, well, if you're going to go out there and do that, he said, let me at least put my armor on you. And he put the armor on David. And David couldn't stand up under the armor. It was a whole lot bigger and heavier than he'd been used to. And besides that, he had never had to use an armor. He had the armor of God on. Praise God. And uh, he, the Spirit of the Lord came up on him. He slew the lion. He slew the bear. He, he did all of these things when the Spirit of God came up on him. And he just sold the salt. He said, I can't wear this. He took it off. And he got out there and got five smooth stones. And uh, those stones were about the size of a man's fist, is what the size of them were. He put them in his sling, just one. It just didn't take all five. But he took one, and he told, he told Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come. Well, he was laughing. You know the story. He was laughing, laughing. And, but David said, I'm going to take your head off today. <laughs> and he did. He just slung that sling, the stone hit Goliath right in the middle of the head where it did the most damage, knocked him flat, killed him. And David went out and took his own sword, Goliath's own sword, bigger than he was probably, and cut his head off. And victory was Israelites. Now David was anointed of God, but Saul had been anointed too. The Bible said when Saul, when the Spirit of God came upon him, he became a different person. A different man, because the anointing of God was there. But Saul began to get lifted up in pride. How many knows pride's your biggest downfall anyway? And, you know, pride's the original sin when you get right down to it. And pride will keep you from doing anything for God. Listen, I, I don't want to ever get prideful in my preaching. I don't want to get prideful in anything that I do, because it's not me. It's going to be the anointing that's going to do the changing. It's this anointing on the Word that gets down deep in the hearts of people that makes them want to receive and change and be what God's called them to be. And let God move and do and let the anointing uh, do the work. Amen? So, I, I'm nobody without God. You're nobody without God. The church is nothing without God. We're, we have to have God. We have to have the anointing of God in this place. And the anointing was on Saul, and he, he was... He was anointed when it came upon him, and he did great feats. But you know, he began to get prideful, full of self, and began to get angry and jealous over David, because David, he took him in, became he put him over the soldiers, and he became, oh man, he was getting all kinds of battles won. And Saul, 
he heard the people out there singing, Saul slays his thousand, but David is ten thousand, you know. And, and jealousy, jealousy got stuck. You, you know, I hate to say this, but preachers are listening. There's a lot of preachers like that. Well, I had, I had ten thousand in my crusade. Well, you only had a thousand. So, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Because if you only had a thousand, the other one's having ten thousand, out of that thousand, you may have five men raised up that's going to go reach fifty thousand, not a hundred thousand. We never know what God's going to do. There was a preacher one time that was walking the streets of Chicago, and there was a man named D.L. Moody that was a shoe salesman. He was selling shoes, and D.L. Moody was without God. And this man talked to him and won him to the Lord, and and D.L. Moody accepted the Lord. And you know what happened? The rest is history. You read about D.L. Moody, a Moody Bible Institute's named after him up there in Chicago. And here, here, but here's a man that didn't. He was nobody, but here was a preacher that came by, or a man of God. Didn't say he was a preacher, but he was just a man of God that took interest in him and the anointing that was in him. Raised up another man that had a great anointing that reached millions of people. Listen, God's anointing is what makes a difference. Amen? But look what they said. We, we want Saul. We want a king. So he anointed Saul. Then Saul became prideful. Saul began to do evil. Saul began to do things that was against God and the things that God didn't want and didn't please the Lord. And then, you know, God said, how long? Because God spoke to Samuel and said, I'm done with him. You're going to have to anoint someone else. And the Lord said to him, how long will you mourn for Saul? See, Samuel loved Saul. How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehem. Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king amongst his sons. Remember when, uh, when Samuel went to the, uh, Jesse's house and he said, where's your sons? He brought them all out there except David. They brought, he brought all of them that was tall and husky and built and, and, uh, you know, that could be a good king and, and, uh, but he says, is this all of them? Well, there's David over there, but he's, you know, he's not one. And the Lord saw it and saw him and the Lord said, that's him. Anoint him. Anoint him with oil. He poured the horn of oil up on his head and anointed David to be king over Israel as a young man right there on the spot. He was already anointed when he came out to the battlefield. See, the anointing was already there. He had already slew the, the bear and slew the lion and took care of the sheep. You know, he had already, the, the Spirit of God came upon him already. He already recognized what God was doing in his life. But God said, that's the man. He's the man that's going to do it. But so, he said, how long will you mourn over Saul? See, what we've got to do is come to that place where the past is over with. You can't bring it to yourself. It's over with. Someone stately quoted, and I, I quoted this a lot, Yesterday's in the tomb. Tomorrow's in the womb. Today's the beginning of the new. Amen? But yesterday is in the tomb. You can't live... On yesterday's food. You can't live on yesterday's oil. You gotta have a fresh touch from God every day. That's what we were hearing this morning. We, we gotta find that time of the Lord so that we can have that fresh touch in our heart and a fresh touch in God. And don't, don't sit there and mourn <laughs> over what, what is and what isn't, you know. Because yesterday's in the tomb. You can't do nothing about the past. You can't unscramble eggs. Amen? You ever tried to unscramble eggs? There's no do-over for what's past. Sometimes we just like to do a do-over. But there's no do-over for the past. What happens is we become a rear-view mirror person. Now, this is what a rear-view mirror person is. They miss what's happening today because they're always looking back to yesterday. See, if you're a rear-view mirror person, you're not really seeing what's ahead. You're seeing what was behind. I thank God 
for the moves of God that I was able to experience and see as I grew in, as a child and was in, in, the, in the moves of God with my, as my dad got saved until the Holy Ghost began to preach. And I, I saw some great moves of God, and I saw God do some great things. I got, and then when I was older, I, I saw the move of God in the, in the great moves of healing and, and uh, miracles and, and uh, tongues and the, and the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit began to fall on everybody. Every, I'm talking about all denominations began to feel. Uh, they were, it didn't matter what they were. The Holy Ghost fell on them because they were hungry. They were seeking God. It doesn't matter what name tag we have. I know a lot of Pentecostals that don't seek God. Just because you've got a name tag don't make you Pentecostal. You know, and, and listen, I, I, was, I, was, I put on Facebook one time where I preached at a church in Houston. There was a, a certain church, and, and this lady called me, and she said, Brother Clarence, what are you doing preaching in that kind of church? I said, well, you know, I said, I preach in Baptist churches, Methodist churches. I preached in Episcopalian churches. I preached in Catholic churches where they have meetings in the basement where they were spirit-filled and love God. I said, I I preach anywhere where people's hungry. The church is not just in one title and one organization. The church is the body of Christ. And if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're part of the church. Now, mind you, some have greater revelation and greater insight into what God has. But that doesn't mean they're not saved people. Y'all see what I'm saying? Just because they don't uh, have our name title doesn't mean they're not saved. We're going to be surprised one day. We're going to see some people saved that we didn't think were saved. We're going to see some people get rewards that we think, well, where's my reward? I told you about the lady one time went to heaven, you know, she got there and she's getting the rewards handed out and everybody's getting big old limousines and Cadillacs and, and all these expensive Porsches and all this, you know, and, and it come to her and she got a 58 Studebaker. And she was so upset and she was so upset. She was driving down the road with her old 58 Studebaker after she got her reward and, and all of a sudden there was a loud crash and a clang over in the corner of Hallelujah Boulevard and Glory Lane, you know. And, uh, uh, and this lady was out of the car and she was just cackling and laughing and rolling on the floor and rolling in the, on the ground. And, and the angel said, what is going on? And she said, well, I was so depressed because of my reward. Because I felt like I deserved more, but I just saw my pastor go by on roller skates. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's going to be degrees of rewards also. <laughs> Amen? That's what the Bible says. <laughs> but <laughs> but rearview person, they, they miss what's happening today. And... Uh, the decisions that these people make, these rearview people, they're based on what they grew up with in the past and what they feel comfortable with. Look at Psalms 137, verse 1. The children of Israel were in this position. And by the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. They, they sat and wept when they remembered Zion. But God's saying to us, let's go forward. Let's go forward. How many believe God wants this church to go forward? God wants us as families to go forward, as individuals to go forward. And let's allow God to fulfill His divine plan. See, I don't know God's will for every person here as far as the will of God. I know that God's will is for you to be filled with the Spirit, have the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and, and, and all of these things. But what is the will of God? What is your assignment? What God's called you for? I don't know all of that. And I couldn't even begin to tell you that you're called to do this and you're called to do that. I wouldn't do that unless the Holy Ghost really showed me something. But then I'd have to really be careful because I want that person to know what God's speaking to their heart. And, you know... <laughs> We, we just let, God's got a plan for us, amen? We, but we gotta let go of dead things. Samuel, how long you're gonna mourn? <laughs> I rejected him. How long are we gonna mourn for the old days? The old days were great. The old days were good. 
But we can't live on the old days. We've got to have fresh oil. We've got to have fresh oil. I'm not saying God's going to do some strange, mysterious new thing. I'm just saying we've got to have something fresh. It's a fresh touch. It's a fresh oil. It's a fresh experience. God wants you to have that fresh experience. Every day when you get up and pray in the Holy Ghost, you ought to get a fresh experience from the Lord during that time of prayer. A fresh experience as you're praying in the Spirit. Amen? Listen, we, as we, we rise and we get up and we start our day, whatever time. Listen, some people start with prayer early. Some people pray in the middle of the morning. Some people pray. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you need to take the time to do it. But what I'm saying is, let's get a fresh touch every time we do it. Let fresh oil be there. But one of the things that hurts is this. Number one, failed expectations. One of the hardest things for even the most sincere child of God to conquer in this pilgrimage of life is this. It's failed expectations. What you thought. What you thought was going to be. And those failed expectations hinder you. The Bible said in Proverbs thirteen twelve, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You see, Samuel was sickened at the first that Israel would even demand to have a king. Remember when they first came to him? We want a king! We want a king! And he finally gave in and yielded to that. And he anointed Saul to be the king. But, you know, he was, he was sickened at that. But then he met Saul. He loved him. And he wanted Saul to succeed. Now, that's the desire of every person. When you see somebody in something and you help them, you want to see them succeed. You have children. You want to see them succeed. You want to see them do well in this life. And Samuel was a mentor to Saul. He had a vested interest in his life. I have vested my time in people's lives, and I've been disappointed. And people's vested their time in my life, and they've probably been disappointed in me at times, you know. But the thing is, we can get it all straightened out, and God can work it all out in us, and we can get that fresh touch from the Holy Ghost, because that's what it's going to take anyway. But Saul was disobedient to the Lord. And what happened, remember when Saul was went out to... to Go in battle against the Amalekites. And the Amalekites, God said, destroy all of them. Don't spare nobody. Don't spare the kings. Don't spare... Listen, how, how many times has God dealt with us on things in our life? And we get rid of the things that's really big. You know, we quit drinking. We quit getting drunk. We quit doing drugs. <laughs> if you were doing that. Uh, you quit, but you know what? There, but yet, there's still some things God said destroy all of them, and He left five. He left the kings, five of them, alive, and He kept some of the oxen, and some of the cattle, and some of the sheep. He kept some of the good stuff that He thought was good. God said destroy it all, destroy it all. And you know what God's telling us this morning? When we come to Him, He doesn't want just part of us, half of us, a quarter of us. He wants all of us. And that means that we got to get rid of everything. we got to strip ourselves of everything. Our desires, our will, what we want, what we think. All of, we gotta play, we got to get rid of it all. Lay it all on the altar because He is all in all. And He's the one that's going to direct us and He's the one that's going to lead us. But the Bible said Saul was disobedient. He spared King Agag and the choice of animals. Kept him alive. Kept him alive. And then Samuel comes by one day, and the Lord revealed to him that he was rejecting him, and, and he relented that Saul was made king, and this greatly troubled Samuel. And Samuel cried out to the Lord all night for Saul. But Samuel went in, and the thing is, he heard the lowing of the sheep and the cattle and all of those things that were supposed to be destroyed. And he said, what is this? Well, Saul said, well, I had to keep some of those things alive, you know. They were good. Had to keep some of it. And then he kept the king alive. Well, Samuel had to go in and do the work. Samuel the prophet had to go in and slay all the animals. And he even slew King Agag. 
and slew him and chopped his head off. Why? Because that's what God demanded. That's what God said. That's what God... Listen, if you, if you, if you remember when kingdoms fought against one another and they, they begin to fight against one another, they always destroyed the descendants also. Remember that? They always, they always destroyed the descendants also because they didn't want those descendants to grow up and overthrow them. That was part of it. Now, remember when David was king and he began to inquire of all of the descendants of Jonathan because Jonathan was the son of Saul and Jonathan and king, uh, David's hearts were knit together and they became one in the spirit. And they were blood brothers. And God spoke to, uh, God spoke to David and David said, I, I want to know if there's any descendants that are left of Jonathan's household. Because he cut covenant with Jonathan. And that covenant means that all of his relatives, all of his, in, all of his people that came out of his seed was going to be blessed. That blessing was going to be theirs that would be Jonathan's blessing. And so they found out that Jonathan's son, had not, uh, he, he was over there and he was kind of crippled because when they heard that David, that uh, Saul and Jonathan were killed, they ran and fled and the nurse was carrying the baby and dropped him and he was lamed. And the Lord said, and David said, is there one left? They said, there's one son over here. He said, bring him to me. He was crippled. Couldn't walk because the baby had been dropped. And David put him and said, you're going to eat at my table from this day forth. And you're going to be part of the king's household because of a covenant I cut with your father. I want to tell you something this morning. We got a stronger covenant than even that. We got the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, 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 we're part of the airship of God. <laughs> Praise God. And we're, we're, we're invited into the kingdom of God. Everything that He has is ours. Whatever He's, whatever He's got in, in the kingdom of God is ours. Whatever He's, He, He can provide for us spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever. God wants to do that. But this, this was the, uh, Samuel lost thought of God's perfect will is what happened. Because of failed expectations. Remember Isaiah, in Isaiah the sixth chapter, King Uzziah died. Isaiah, it, it was not very, it wasn't uh, uncommon for the prophet of the Lord to become friends with the king. If the king accepted them and they, they, they received guidance from that prophet. And Uzziah was that way with, uh, with uh, uh, Isaiah. And Isaiah loved Uzziah. And uh, when the Bible said, Isaiah uh, wept when Uzziah died. He was weeping over this, and he was sorrowful over it all. And uh, uh, Isaiah's eyes seemed to be on you. Uh, the prophet's eyes seemed to be on Uzziah rather than on God. And see, we we got to learn one thing: don't get your eyes on things. Don't get your eyes on <laughs> where you live. Don't get your eyes on what you have physically. Don't, don't, don't get your eyes on these things at all because we got to keep our eyes on Him. Amen? Things are only temporary. I've had a lot of things in life and I've lost a lot of things. When I say lost, I mean I don't have them and it didn't, they don't last forever. But I've had a lot of things, but you know what? The thing that I don't want to ever lose is the presence of God. Isn't that what David said when he cried out to the Lord after he had sinned? And he said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And he didn't say, don't take my Cadillac, don't take my mansion, don't take all of these things that I've got. He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take the presence of God from me. The presence of God is more important than anything in our life. And so Isaiah it wouldn't tell the death of Uzziah that his eyes were turned to the Lord, and he began to turn to the Lord, and he said, Here am I, send me. <laughs> you know, God spoke to him. But sometimes, is there something in our life or someone in our life that's failed us? 
I think all of us can look back and say, there's somebody that failed me. I've had people I thought failed me, you know. Sometimes uh, what we think is not really what happens because the devil magnifies things. But have you ever had that in your life? Uh, Is there a hope that's been deferred time and time again? That you feel like giving up because it didn't happen? How many ever got a promise? You say, well, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I've, I've received prophetic words. And I almost got discouraged one time because it was not happening. But you know what? God's got His own timing in everything. And once we keep our eyes on Him then we're, we're going to be like they, uh, Isaiah did. Just get your eyes fixed on him, you know, on him. Hear my Lord. Hear my Lord. And send me. Do, do what you want. Touch my lips. Touch my spirit. Touch my, touch my life. And uh, But God, things get out of control. And, you, you know, we, we, we've got to just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And, and quit mourning for yesterday. How many knows you can't bring back yesterday? You can't bring back what happened yesterday. You can't bring back. Now, the only thing you can do is restore a relationship, forgive somebody, and then you can't keep bringing it up to them every week, you know. Hey, don't you do that again. Don't you do that again. Don't you do that again. No, if you forgive, it's forgiven. Aren't you glad God don't do that to us? When we're sincere and we ask God to forgive us, He don't say, don't you do that again. And you think, boy, He's going to sit around and just see if I do it again. And sure enough, we slip up again. Why? Because we got that fear in us. That fear. God's a God of love. Can you say amen? Don't look back. <laughs> How long will you mourn for? I remember Satchel Page. He was that great baseball player. He paved the way for blacks to actually play in the major leagues. And he he made famous this saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. <laughs> we don't have time to look back because something might be gaining on us. And Paul the, uh, Paul the Apostle spoke this revelation to the church long before Satchel Page ever gave his advice. The, he was telling the Christians, uh, in many words, don't look back. Look what he said in Philippians 3, verse 13, 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I won't say that again. I forget those things which are, which are behind. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. You, you can't do anything about the past. My cousin, after my first wife passed away, and I'll admit, I got into some grief. But you know what? Grief is healthy. There's nothing wrong with grieving. We need grief. But we don't want to live in grief. Amen? we got to let the healing power of God come. But I remember her sending me a card. She's a precious lady. Her and her husband, when I was a teenager, they were older than I was. They were older teenagers. I was a younger teenager. <laughs> And uh, But we, we, we were all, they were called to the ministry young, and I was called to the ministry. And we'd go traveling, preaching, and if I'd go preach somewhere, they'd go with me, and they'd sing, and I'd go with them, and I'd sing. And, you know, we'd just have a good time fellowshipping. And her husband passed away, and uh, I remember this so vividly. It was, it, he was a great man of God, and he passed away. And, of course, we were there to comfort her. But she sent me this card, and in this card she had a personal note. And she said, Cousin, you cannot do anything about what is gone, but you can do a great deal about what remains. Focus on what you can change rather than what you cannot. Shake yourself out of that should-have, could-have, would-have mentality. And do not let yourself uh, out of that uh, out of that should have, could have, would have mentality, and do not let the regrets of yesterday destroy the hopes and dreams of tomorrow. If we wallow 
in our disappointments, we risk missing out on the new things God wants to do in our lives. And God has another plan for you, and it's better than what you can imagine. Now, she wrote that to me about six months after my wife passed. And I have never forgotten that. I've kept that card. I kept it, and I, brought, I bring it out, and I read it every once in a while because there's truth in that. You can't do anything about what's gone. Our loved ones go on to be with the Lord. We can't do anything about it. That doesn't mean we forget them. That doesn't mean we cast them out of our mind and our memories. That, that's not what the Lord said. But we can't do anything about what is gone, but we can do a great deal about what remains. I've seen people at funerals, you know, they just weep and sob and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get through this? And they still got little kids sitting over here that's on the front pew with them, you know. And you see, you can't do what's, do anything about what's gone, but you can do with something with what remains. And they need their mama or their daddy or whatever the case may be. They need them to encourage them and, in, and strengthen them and encourage them in the things of the Lord. And so, you know, you can't do anything about what's gone, but you can do a lot with what remains. And thank God, God can give us the wisdom to deal with that. Can you say amen? Paul said, I forget those things which are, which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. See, Paul had to look forward. How miserable, <laughs> how miserable the Apostle Paul would have been if he had not put behind the sins and mistakes of his past. I mean, you look, if you read the story of Paul, the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus, that was his name before it was changed to Paul. And he was a wicked man. He was doing it religiously. He thought he was religiously right in destroying those fanatical Christians, and putting them to death. He was the number one enemy in the church. He was responsible for the gruesome persecution and even the murder of people who professed faith in Christ. In fact, he had letters in his pocket after he had stood there and witnessed Stephen's death and stood there and witnessed his stoning that he approved of and held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen to death. He was there, and then he went on with letters in his pocket to persecute some other Christians in some other areas. And the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. And the great light shined on him, and he fell off that horse. And he said, Lord, Lord, why? And the Lord said, why persecutest thou me, Paul? <laughs> and Saul of Tarsus was transformed and changed at that moment. God sent him over to Ananias. Ananias laid hands on him, and he received the Holy Ghost. I'm sure Ananias was kind of, you know, a little gun shy. I mean, this is a man that killed. He just come from killing Stephen, and here he come to his house. And Ananias had to go knock on Saul's door, you know, because God sent Saul. He could sit him there to where Saul was, and Ananias knocked on the door, and Saul came to the door, and Ananias said, Brother Saul. <laughs> I mean, he recognized him as a man of God. He recognized him as a saint of God. His name was changed to the Apostle Paul. And he was responsible then for the great things that God did uh, throughout the church. And he became the really the author of the New Testament nearly. Just about all the epistles that Paul wrote uh, are there on the gospel. But see, grace is the key to unlocking your future. Through the grace of God, Paul was forgiven. And he affirmed it. What did Paul say in Colossians 1.13? He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have what God said. We've been delivered. We've been transferred. And so Paul was able to forget the awfulness of his past. And, uh, and uh, there's no reason for us to remain enslaved to our mistakes and sins. Everybody's got a story. Amen? I talked to... Young man, not long ago, and he said, "Brother Clarence," he said, "He said I, I don't know." He said, "I want to serve God." He said, "But but people won't let me. They won't forgive me." I said, "I will." <laughs> if a person says, "I will," I'll forgive. Who are we to bring up somebody's past if they've repented and the blood of Jesus is cleansed? I have seen. Murderers get saved. 
Now listen, I know the loved ones, that'd be a hard thing for a loved one to see that murderer. You know, he's saved and, and then, oh Lord, I don't want to love him. I don't want to love her or whatever it might be. And, and I don't want to have nothing to do with him. But you know what we got to do? We got to realize that that same grace is in our life. And, uh, it's the same grace that saved them and delivered them. I had a I had a man come in my church one night, and uh, he he was escaped from prison, <laughs> and he was a murderer. I found out later. And you know what? After they called him, he he actually turned himself in. After that service, he turned himself in, and he called for me, and I went and visited there at the jail where he was, and he said, Pastor, he said, you didn't even know. I said, No, I didn't. I didn't have any idea. I said. I mean, I I don't go around trying to figure out, is this one a murderer or this one a thief or what? I don't do that. But I said, but I, I said, yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> but I'm also thrilled to know that you've accepted Jesus Christ. And you know what? God saved him. He had to do some time. He had to do some things that because of his penalty that he had to, to pay for, for the, to the society for that. But you know what? He was saved. He was saved. We had no more contact with him after that. They would transfer him off somewhere, and and I don't know. We don't know totally, you know. But I believe when he was saved, when he left, and I believe he stayed saved through that time. Praise God! And uh, I don't know if he got released or what. We were no longer there, and so you know, I don't know what the details were. But God's grace. Everybody say God's grace is good. He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, and, and where we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There's no reason for us to remain enslaved. Amen? Don't look back at the past mistakes. You might have lost your temper yesterday, but don't look back on it. You don't have to do it no more. Hallelujah? Uh, you, you, you may have uh, uh, done something else, you know. Don't look back on it. If you've asked the blood of Jesus to cover it, guess what? It's covered. God doesn't remember it against us no more. Amen? Uh, there's a book, Healing for Damaged Emotions, that David Siemens wrote. And he said in there, many years ago I was driven to the conclusion that the two major causes of most emotional problems among Christians are these. Number one, the failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. We, we have failed to understand and receive and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. And then the second thing is the failure to give out that unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace to other people. Oh, that hurts. We want to choose and pick the ones we want to really love. I'll tell you what, David had a ragtime army. <laughs> Remember when he was anointed to be king and, and uh, he had 400 faithful men with him. And they hid in caves and everything. I call them the ragtime army. But you know what? That ragtime army got some great victories. <laughs> That ragtime army, and I'm sure a lot of those men went up in the, in, in status with David as he became the king and, and recognized as the king of Israel. And, and he, he began to raise them up in status with him because they were faithful. But God's grace is in our life. God's grace is there. Thank God for the grace of the Lord. Amen? Don't allow anyone to discuss your past. I've had people tell me, they said, Brother Clarence, see that man back there? I said, uh-huh. Do you know what happened to him? I said, I don't want to know. Well, you need to know. I said, no, I don't need to know. I mean, who are we to say, you're at fault? What well, did somebody say one time? You point one finger and you got three more pointing back at you. Amen? <laughs> who are we to judge? But don't let anyone discuss your past. Only discuss your future. Only discuss what, where you're headed, what God's going to do. Listen, our past is past. You can't, you can't undo it. I can't undo anything I've ever done in the past. The only thing you can undo is get forgiveness and repent. And if you need to go to someone and get them to forgive you, that's, that's another thing. But once you do that, that's all you can do. They, it's up to that person to receive that at that point. I tell you what, 
God's church is made up of ex-murderers, ex-thieves, ex-adulterers, ex-liars, ex-cheaters. Amen? Ex-temper tantrum people. I mean, we're, the church is made up of all kinds of people, but it's the grace of God that set us free. And we can say we're not that person we used to be because of the grace of God. Remember in, in Hawthorne's classic, The Scarlet Letter, uh, Hester was her name, and she had a, she had an adulterous woman, and she was made to wear a big scarlet A. All the time, wherever she was in public, she was branded because of a mistake she'd made in her past. Branded for that. The townspeople kept looking back. But when Jesus, remember when Jesus stood at the, in, the, in that uh, group of people, and that woman was caught in adultery, and the men were ready to stone her, because that was the law of that day, just stone her and put her to death, and let's get rid of her. And Jesus said, uh, he just started writing in the sand. You know, I don't, it, it'd be interesting to know what he was writing. But whatever it was, the men saw him writing. Now, I, I, this is just speculation, but I'm sure he put uh, John, whatever the names were, Alexander, Pedro. He had their name and then he put their, their sins out there beside their name. You lied, you stole from your employer, you, you, and all these things, you know. And they were, all of a sudden the men just dropped their rocks and started walking off. Now, that don't, it doesn't say what he wrote, but he wrote something pretty pertinent there because they were looking and seeing it and they dropped their rocks and turned and walked off. And Jesus looked at the woman, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. That, he was prophetically saying something to her because he painted a picture of her portrait for her future. He said, go and sin no more. And she went into the city where she was known for her prostitution and went into the city and she went to the men. She was the first woman evangelist that went in and she preached to all those men and said, come see a man that's told me all things. Come see a man that's told me all things. And they followed her and God began to move in people's lives. But you see, that's what God's grace does. How many guys, we, we can't look back on our past. We've got to turn our back on it. I heard of a young man, I heard, I, when I was a young boy, I heard of a man that uh, he lived uh, in rural area in Texas. His name was Homer. And he came to town one day, and Homer was old, and he was stooped, and he always wore a flannel shirt and faded bibbed overalls and a straw hat. You know, you've ever seen people, you know, they just wear the same thing. And Homer spent his days mowing yards and doing odd jobs. And what people remember most about Homer wasn't his clothes or his kind smile that he had. What they remembered most is that folks told everybody that Homer had killed a man and he spent most of his life in prison. That little community never forgot Homer's past and they never let him forget it. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people today that if we could let go of the past, there's a lot of people that would be changed and transformed by the power of God. But we've got to learn to let go of the past. I tell you, you know, it doesn't matter. We all have a past. We all have a past. There's some of us that have some, some have backslid. I didn't ever backslide, but I, I mean, I've done some things I shouldn't have done. But we've all got a past. Everybody's got a past. And who are we to hold that out to the public and say, well, this man here, you know, this happened uh, 49 years ago. He killed this person. Well, he may have. But you know what? If God's grace is there and God's love is there and that man's repentant, God will even forgive that. Because there's nothing impossible with the Lord. Can you say amen? We can never build lasting relationships when we... We can never relate to one another like Christ wants us to unless we're willing to forget what lies behind. We've got to forget it. We've got, we've got to forget. I didn't come in here and say, now let me see here. Cliff and Barbara, I wonder, anybody got any trash on them that I need to know about, you know? And uh, Louise and the chalk back there, I need some trash. I need to know something about them, you know, so I know what to watch for. 
No, you know what? We're kindred spirits in the Lord. And it doesn't matter what the past is, because the past doesn't mean anything as long as it's under the blood. <laughs> and when it's under the blood, thank God, you, you can have the... Uh, listen, uh, God does some great things. Who, who was the man that was with Richard Nixon uh, uh, that uh, got sent to prison? Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson. Now, he did, some, he did some evil things, you know, back in those Watergate days. You know, they did a lot of lying, cover up, whatever they did. But you know what? He ended up in prison, ended up getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And Chuck Colson, even while in prison, he established a prison ministry. And when he got out, it's established all over the United States and all over the world where they have a prison ministry that reaches out to men and ministers to them. Oh, listen, God can do anything. Amen? Don't let the past, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back on the words that were spoken in a moment of anger. Don't, don't keep looking back on that. You can't undo what was said. The only thing you can do is say, forgive me. Amen? Let God's mercy be there. Don't look back on those actions that hurt us. Oh, we see somebody coming, and boy, they hurt our feelings, you know, 19 years ago. And, you know, we, we're going to always remember that. What they, that. Listen, that person may have changed, and they don't even remember what they did to hurt you. Hallelujah. Don't look back. Don't look back on all those mistakes that we all make. <laughs> Instead, the Bible said in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Don't look back. Forget what lays behind. Leave the past behind. Don't keep looking on the painful memories. Don't, I mean, don't, don't look at all that. We've all got difficult memories. But we need to go forward and leave behind our bad memories as necessary to experience what lies ahead. If you don't leave behind your bad memories, you'll never be able to progress. You've got to go forward. And God wants us to go forward. He helps our, put our memories in perspective. Uh, the memory of a painful, unhappy childhood. We've all had unhappy childhoods. Some things have happened in our childhoods. We've all got unhappy childhoods. The memory of a love that was lost. Oh, dear Lord. I mean, you know, if a person don't want you, they don't want you. Just get on. Go. <laughs> I told you about the preacher. He, he was moping around for, I, I, I thought it happened uh, just two weeks ago. It happened about 15 years prior to that. He, I said, what? I, I said, man, forget her. She don't want you. Just go forward. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, the memories may not be healed overnight, but they can be healed. God wants us to look forward. A church that looks back instead of a church is a church that isn't going anywhere if a church keeps looking backwards. How many, how many, I listen, I, I remember the revival days. I remember them. You remember some great times in this building right here. There's nothing wrong with good memories. Amen? We need to remember the good times. Cherish them. But you can't go back. You've got to come now and have a fresh touch from God. And let God do a fresh experience. Something fresh in our lives. And God's going to do that. And it's not going to be the same people that were here years ago. Some of them went on to be with the Lord. And a lot of them have moved off and different things. But God's got other people that God will bring in and will knit together with this body. And we'll see God move. But we've got to let God do it. And we can't keep looking back at what yesteryear was. Amen? Now, <laughs> we shouldn't just always long for the good old days but for the new and exciting days yet to come. God's got some good things going to happen. Are y'all getting prepared for this? Y'all getting ready for the new year? Y'all getting ready for what God wants to do in our lives as a body of believers together? It's not just one person or two people. It's the body of believers coming together, and we're going to see God do what He said He would do. And Paul said, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul looked ahead. He doesn't look back. He keeps on looking to what lies in the future. The Bible said in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and I'm going to stop with this. 
Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was yet set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What lies ahead for us? You know, that's the question. What lies ahead for our church? Are we willing and ready to press towards that goal? See, we willing and ready to go forward in the name of the Lord, willing to do what God's called us to do. Listen, our, the remnant here can go forward and God can increase and God can do the great and mighty things again because God's in us. Hallelujah. And we're going to see people receive what God says. No one puts his hand to the plow. Jesus said this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look back. I'm gonna look forward. I'm gonna keep going on and let God do it. And forget the former things, he said in Isaiah 43, uh, verses 15, 19. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See that I'm doing a new thing. And it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. But if you do not forgive, this is what Jesus said in Matthew, if you do not forgive other their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Hallelujah. So the past is past. I'm going forward. I want to go ahead. I want to let God do what He's going to do. And God wants to do some supernatural things. God wants to do some supernatural restoration. God wants to heal our bodies, make them whole. God can make our bodies whole right here, those that are here. God can touch us physically and restore some strength and vigor and vitality. Because I'll tell you what, we're going to see some things happen. I wouldn't be surprised what night if Brother Chalk don't get up and just start dancing. Amen. Brother Kruger said, well, I'm going to let him outdo me. I'm going to dance too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, nothing's impossible with God. God is the restorer, and we need to understand that we don't live in the past. We live in the now. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, but Jesus is now. It's now, today. We're here now. We live here today. A few years from now, we may not be. We may be in heaven a few years from now. I don't know, but the thing is, we're here now. So the now is the day that we're living. Yesterday's in the tomb. Keep it buried. Tomorrow's still in the womb. But right now we have today. We have today. And today I want to go forward with God, don't you? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word's truth. And we thank you, Lord, that we have what you say we have and we can do what you say we can do. And Lord, the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God is alive in our hearts. Father, we just give you praise. We just give you glory for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God knows where we are. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. Some of us have been going through some things this week. You know, sickness and ailments and things the devil attacks the bodies with. It's not an easy thing to go through, but you know what? God's there with us. Amen. He's there with us. And He's right there to go through. And we can have that old course in our heart. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And we can sing this with vigor and with joy. Well, I'm going through. I'm going through. I'll pay the price. Whatever I must do. I'll take the way with the Lord's chosen few. I started out for Jesus. I'm going through. Sing it to the Lord. Well, I'm going through. I'm going through. I'll pay the price. Whatever I must do. I'll take the way with the Lord's chosen few. I started out for Jesus, and I'm going through. Hallelujah. Say, I'm going through. In the name of Jesus, I'm going through. Nothing's going to stop me. My past isn't going to stop me. I'm going through. I'm reaching forward. And I'm going to reach out to Jesus. Hallelujah.
praise God. Father, bless your people. God, we thank you for what you brought us through this past year. We thank you, Lord, for healing and strengthening our bodies through the year. Thank you for your supernatural provisions, divine provisions when they were needed. Lord, we thank you for restoration of relationships. Lord, our loved ones that we've been holding up to you in prayer, we thank you, Lord, that you're moving supernaturally in their lives. Father, that it's not over. And Lord, we thank you that the devil's a liar and he was defeated 2,000 years ago and you promised us our seed. Our seed's going to serve you. Lord, we just praise you for it in the name of Jesus and we just give you praise. Hallelujah. Well, we'll see you all tonight at 6 o'clock for a gospel singing. Amen.